I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Episode Zero of The Story Studio with your hosts, Luke Condor and Daniel Wilcox. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. So we're now recording. Hey, by the way. Um, yeah, it's quite good. I um, right, let's let's start the show. Let me do. I've got like a little intro thing. Okay. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll change it. I don't know if it works or not. Let's see what you think. Uh, welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast where an independent publishing company explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. The show for filmmakers, authors, writers, comic book makers, crowdfunders, entrepreneurs, creators, and anyone else looking to tell stories in the modern world. Uh, my name is Luke Condor with a K, and I'm joined by Daniel Wilcox. Hey, how's it going, hey. man? Yeah, not bad. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Is that intro work? Do you reckon? Does it need some some grease? I think. It sounded good. It's got everything covered. Might be a bit wordy for a start, but but no, I think it pretty much hits the hits the nail on the head. Cool. Which is good. How are you? Are you alright? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing good. I've uh, been non-stop today, but I actually get a nice little break now. So this is the first part of my my break, I think. Yeah. <laughs> what I, about you? I um I might be a little bit loopy today because I haven't eaten solid food in sixty hours. I'm doing like that juice three day juice cleanse thing. Why? <laughs> well i don't know i think i've i've put on a fair bit of weight when i was in london so i was in london for two years and i put yeah. on two stone and i really wanted to try and get rid of that so i figured i'll just do a juice cleanse it'll make me healthier it will it will maybe lose some weight i don't know but um it could do you never know i mean what, what where where did it come from what was the source have you ever seen fat sick and nearly dead no, but it sounds horrific. Okay, it's a, about like a, a a guy. He's got like a really bad disease, and he goes on his juice cleanse, and he loses loads of weight really quickly. And, and okay, <laughs> so this is the first podcast, by the way. I don't know how uh, on topic this is. No, nah, it's fine. We can we can ramble. Yeah, <laughs> it's um. Have you one of my my friends went on a bit of a fad diet? I'm not saying yours is a fad diet, but hmm. uh, a couple of years ago she went on a diet that oh really made me laugh. It was um over three days. Yeah. On the first day, you're only allowed to eat seven eggs, nothing else. You can drink water, you can drink coffee. On the second day, it was seven sausages. And on the third day, it was seven bananas. Nothing else but those 21 items. Seven bananas is deadly, isn't it? Yeah. And also quite difficult, I'd imagine. I mean, seven eggs, I'd get sick of eggs already. Yeah. 
But apparently that was guaranteed to lose a stone in 72 hours. And kill you in uh, 80. Yeah, yeah. That's what rigor mortis does to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so what I, I guess we should start off by talking about like why we wanted to do a podcast. Because, I mean, there's a lot of podcasts out there. But I don't see this as a way of like, I mean, it'd be nice to find an audience. But I think, so we've been publishing under the name Hawk and Cleaver which is our independent publishing company name uh, for just over a year. And I just kind of feel like we need to like have some sort of regular interaction and like a regular, like uh, not a brainstorm, like a more of a mastermind sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it's one of those things where you can only go so far hitting keys and trying to talk to each other before messages get lost. They get confused. Sometimes it's just, it's quicker, isn't it? It's just easier to, yeah communicate yeah and i'm hoping that like um over the next next year or so like because we want to go full-time writing i'm really hoping that like on that (laughs) that we can like uh, document it and and uh i don't know bring people along if they want to listen to the show and yeah and it'll be awesome because i mean we're planning on at some point getting guests as well yeah to just talk to more people in the business and see you know what for them what what doesn't any anything that can kind of not only help us but if anyone is listening to help them yeah and uh no i don't i'm kind of like because all Cleaver, we don't just we, we mainly publish books i guess but we also dabble like we make films made award-winning films we want to make comic books uh we do the other stories podcast which is our short story podcast i feel like um i don't just want to interview people regarding self-publishing i sort of want to cast a wider net yeah absolutely yeah, yeah no it's good because down the creative journey i think everyone goes through similar stuff and there, there are many subjects that can sort of transcend more than just your genre mm. and go out towards different applications it'll be good to to talk to different people just more interesting more than anything i think yeah. i think the idea of taking it I don't want to say freelance, but sort of going independent as a creative is one that it's really intriguing because it's something that I never considered as as a kid growing up. It was something I never really thought about until the last couple of years, really. And it's one thing that I've seen other people do. I've seen people take that journey. And some people that I know have had huge success with it. Some people have been not so lucky, but it just seems to be more down the happiness route over the money route initially anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, independent like publishing i do find that some people who make money make a hell of a lot of money like like a really like it's quite <laughs> it's exciting how much money they're making but at the yeah. same time I, i'm kind of like trying to not think about that too much because i don't want to be writing stuff just to make money do you know what i mean like you want to make yeah. stuff that's like creatively enriching and yeah it can cloud it almost if you're starting to sort of focus on the end goal if you don't look at yeah. you know the journey there and enjoy it while you're going along yeah however having said that because we want to make other stuff um <laughs> comic books and stuff i would like to do some commercial projects that will make money that we can then roll over into into other projects yeah absolutely which is coming up a bit later am i right what's that our our thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i think so yeah <laughs> awesome yeah no it's definitely you've you got to get that balance really haven't you it's, it's it's all well and good being able to say I'm a creative, I'm doing the things I love, but 
the reality of it is without the money to sort of back it up, you're not going to be able to get very far on that. It mm. depends what kind of life you want to live. I mean, there are people that, there's a few people I know that are off exploring Europe, doing their own thing, blogging it, not really many followers, and they love what they're doing. Mm. Um, but I know that myself, not that I am massively consumerist-led or really commercial person, but it obviously helps. I mean, yeah. I've, got, I've got a kid to support as well, so I don't really want to be doing everything for free. Yeah. I quite like, um, I mean, obviously we're both big fans of like uh, Johnny, Sean and Dave from the self-publishing podcast. I really like their philosophy (laughs) of paying for the more literary work with commercial work. So um, there's a book I read ages ago, I can't remember what it's called now, but there's the sex and cash theory. So whatever you're doing, there's always uh, a sexy side to what you're doing and a cash side. So when you're starting out in, in writing and publishing, I guess the, the sexy side would be uh, what you do at lunch, what you do <laughs> after work, like what we're doing now. So like you, you go to a cafe, you start writing a novel or whatever. Um, and the cash side is doing your full-time job to support that. And then yeah. as you go uh, more and more, so that, that can shift. So as you go full-time, if you become a full-time writer, you've still got the sexy side, which is your more fun stuff that's just for you. But then you still got to do your cash side which is the commercial work, I guess, or writing books to market. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. It's Yeah, it's definitely about finding that balance. And I think if you're not... Well, I mean, some people do take the path of just commercial, 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 but I'm, I am I know that I'm not, and I'm pretty sure that you're not the type of person that would just want to give up the stuff that excites you, the stuff that actually makes you want to yeah. be a creative. Yeah. I am... Um... It's, it's, I mean, the lucky thing is that I'm really into commercial work as well. It's like literary work, <laughs> so like I do enjoy that. So I'd, I would love to make some more of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, how would you classify the hipster? Would that be more of a, a sexy thing for you or a cash? Uh, I think I went into what was the it, idea behind that. I went into it thinking um, it's going to be more of a cash side of things, but because it's me like it just completely became like like a not a literary but like an exploration in things that i like and genres i like and a bit of a mashup of of that kind of thing yeah but um but i know that when we do our projects that i think we're going to be able to stick on the on the straighter road of going towards commercial work and sticking that to the, to the ending do you know what i mean yeah so i think my initial brief for the for hipster from outer space was this is going to be a commercial project but then i think i forgot about that like after like the ten thousand word mark and then started doing my own thing yeah but no i mean that's still a good way to to get something and i, I think i heard you saying um was it the interview you did with the uh the coffee podcast which one's that mm. yeah uh, about sunday morning coffee podcast that's yeah, not yeah. sunday morning coffee podcast about yeah. how that was just it's slightly commercial but it's more you you learned how to write a novel by yeah. writing a novel and that was your first first big project right that yeah that was before that i'd only written like ten thousand words like as, as a longest thing yeah and so, it's a big step up going into a novel i mean yeah. i'm still close to mine close i've got my one and three quarter drafts through i will get there um but it's definitely an experience it's definitely different and i think you have to at least get one out of the way in order to start working on things yeah no, so I've written, I've written three novels. I published two now. Um, I feel like I know how to write a novel now. Um, <laughs> so now I think I want to take those skills that I've learned and 
and I want to write a book specifically to market that's going to, you know, hit a certain need or want that that's out there, um, and do well and like make money and uh, but also be creatively satisfying to a degree anyway. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think that's the important thing, and especially giving the uh, giving the reader something satisfying to to feast upon and make their money's worth. So, yeah, yeah that's uh, I'm very very excited for that. Shall we? Uh, big whoop. Big whoop. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> what a big whoop! What's your big whoop for the week? My big whoop is Pokemon Go. And, All right. Oh my god, have I been obsessed with that? Um, yeah. Have you have you played any of it yet? Uh, yeah, I downloaded it last. It officially re- released yesterday, right? I officially download- launched yesterday. Yeah. I downloaded it and I caught a Weedle, and then the uh, the thing crashed on me. And then, nice. and then Kat said, "Oh, sounds like it's full of bugs." Because uh, of the weedle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of take that minute experience, yeah, and then magnify it, and you've essentially got a week's worth of the app that has been crashing for the past week. Um, but no, I I learned of it last not Wednesday, gone the one before, so I've had it what nine days now. Looking at that, it's flown quickly, um, and yeah, it's one of the things that I, I'm massive Pokemon fan anyway and it's one of the things that I've been sort of looking forward to and it was leaked in England last Wednesday I was one of the naughty people that went and got it um and very very quickly becomes very obsessive it's fantastic uh in how it works and how clever it is and how especially this week I mean me and um my partner haven't gone on as many walks ever as we have in the last few days just to go out and try and find Pokemon do you like say to each other do you fancy popping out for a pokemon hunt later literally yes or it'll be a case of we're hungry let's go to the chinese why so that we can walk (laughs) (laughs) what and um, how many pokemon have you got oh i've got a lot uh but i mean there's a difference between how many through the pokedex i have and how many uh i've kept um so my pokedex at the minute because it's only got the original 151 in and quite a lot of them Oh, it was a uh, electrode. It was an electrode. Wait, I've got to catch a Pokemon. No, I'm joking. Um, I've caught 57 out of the 151. Um, but no, it's just one of those things that the moment that it hit, I was walking around town looking at my phone, obviously also trying to pay attention to roads and things, which is yeah. a dangerous area. But the amount of people this week that I've bumped into that I've spoken to, just literally because they've been holding the app. And... Um, how it works is if a Pokemon appears for you, it appears for everybody. Oh, okay. So That's you can cool. literally say a Pikachu's there and someone else can turn up in that exact spot and catch what? the same thing. Oh, not steal your thing. No, no, they're not oh, stealing, okay. but the the thing appears for all of them. It could be different levels for everyone. but So, I mean, I've just been spotting it all over Lincoln, been walking around and just groups of people in certain spots where particular things gather and it's just... It's one of those weird things. You should see people walking around like zombies at their phone. Yeah. But you know that it's not. It's a social experience and it's something that they're having fun doing. Um, and yeah, it's just a, a fantastically clever app. I'm excited to see what, what they do with it next once they sort of worked out the kinks. Yeah, I wonder what like um, you could do in, in, independently in terms of making AR, augmented reality style games. Um, yeah. But I mean, they had 
Niantic had Ingress, didn't they? Which the people, yeah, Pokemon partnered with Niantic. Have you heard of Ingress? No, no. No, I hadn't either, but it was basically um, kind of the same principles as Pokemon Go, except it was more you were a hacker and you go to different places. I'm not hacking oh, cool. the into and outs, but I kind of looked into it. And yeah, there's a lot of existing places that they're using for Pokemon that was used as a meeting point for Niantic. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So they kind of they started it, but I'm not sure where the limits might be. Don't know. It's cool. I quite like that it's gotten as big as it has. I quite like the idea of more people using that than Twitter. Yeah. Like, it's quite interesting to see how that's like a wave of Pokemon people. Yeah, um, it's on more phones apparently than Tinder. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's cool. I mean, um, I will. I'll give it more of a go. I mean, I think Cat's hey. gonna get. If anyone's gonna get into it, it'll be Cat more than me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've. Uh, I kind of went on a four-day blast to the point where, rather than this was me being naughty, rather than writing in my lunch breaks like I normally do, yeah. I was finding excuses to walk into town to find Pokemon with uh, my colleagues, um, and it's not actually now at the point where I've already, I've saturated it a bit for myself. Hmm. So I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, no, I've got things I need to do. I should, you know, switch it off. And you should, um, you know, do it as a treat. So I'm gonna get 500 words done, and then I'll allow myself to go out for a Pokemon walk. <laughs> That'd be a good way to do it. Yeah, do the work before the reward. Yeah, yeah. If I do all my words at lunch, then I may be allowed <laughs> to have dinner and yeah. make Pokemon. <laughs> my big whoop for the week is uh, a web comic uh, called Vanguard. And it's by a guy, it's written, illustrated, coloured, uh, inked and everything by a single guy called Dan Butcher. Um, it started in January 2012. And he's done, I think, pretty consistently two pages every single week since then. Um, and the, uh, the reason I sort of really, because I, I, I went back to the start and I read the entire thing, like... <laughs> I mean, the story's great, so the writing is great. But the reason that I'm like I'm so happy about it, I mean, it makes me so full of glee to see, is that when you go back to the very, very first page and then look at the quality of the drawing, like the illustration, yeah, and then go to the very like more recent pages, so like, what is that, four years down the line, four and a half years down the line, and just look at the improvement. Like, yeah, I think it's just testament to writing publishing and repeating like you if you're consistently doing it and putting it out there getting feedback from people and then and then just continually doing it um i just think it just shows you because with with writing it's a little bit more difficult to see because you need to get people to read you work a lot do you know what i mean yeah yeah. illustration you can tell quite quickly uh the skill level of someone in one area and then in and where where they are somewhere else. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you see that with um, cyanide and happiness as well, don't you? Yeah. You go back to their stuff; it's very. I only I've only seen the more recent stuff. I think. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, you go back to their raw stuff; it's very kind of almost like paint. Yeah. It's like it's been done in paint. Yeah, but. No, I mean, what what kind of genre does the Vanguard fall into? Uh, Vanguard is like a British superhero comic. It's like um. It's like the idea that like. There's superheroes all over the world, but they're all owned by different governments. So Vanguard is like the British military version, um, and it, it's it's not quite as straightforward as uh, it's not like a Superman type comic. It's more about 
the espionage and and the political uh, background of, of how superheroes would be in a real world situation. Um, okay. And it so it was like there was eleven issues, so eleven times by so like there's like three hundred and thirty pages worth or something, and then it jumped forward ten years. So there's yeah. a big event, and then it jumped forward ten years. I'd love to get down on actually to talk to him about the story because it's so it's really really good. And I'm not yeah. sure if, I'm not sure how much planning went into. It. I'm not sure if he just did a page and then sort of you know yeah because you, you're writing at such a slow pace it, it's he might have just been able to work it out as he went along I'm not too sure that, that's a strange experience i couldn't imagine doing such tiny fragments over that amount of time yeah because i kind of when i write i want to throw everything on the paper as quickly as i can and just get a chunk out but i mean that would be what five six months for him <laughs> yeah it's like it's weird like as a writer we don't realize how lucky we are how quickly we can get a workout whereas a, a comic book artist it takes them four days to do a, a page normally yeah it's it's and then it takes you what less than a second to read a page or to like just quickly scan through it it's almost painful yeah yeah it's almost just like oh it's done all that work yeah now i um, mom feels as if she cooks a lovely meal and then i just eat it in one yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, if people want to go check that out, I definitely recommend it. It's www.vanguardcomic.com. And it's uh, he's got a Patreon campaign as well. So I don't know what the link is to that. I'm guessing it's patreon.com forward slash vanguardcomic. But um, definitely recommend checking it out. And just just have like a flick through it because it's so good. It's like, it's it's impressive. I'm just very impressed by it. Yeah. So I guess one of the topics we should probably talk about is this, the, is this episode one or episode zero? This episode is like zero. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just us two, and at one point we should get Ben and Skip on. And... Oh, 100%, yeah. yeah. That'd be good. Just testing the waters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I figured we could probably talk about like how we started writing and yeah. how people... I'd be interested for you as well, to be honest. Yeah. How, how, <laughs> I, how I started writing and how... Yeah. How you started. Oh, um... I might even think about this. I was going to ask you first. Um, <laughs> well, I can go first if you like. Yeah, yeah, you go first. I'll think about it in the back. In cool. The um, uh, well, I think... Do you remember what the first thing you wrote was? I do. It's kind of a bit of a blurry memory, and it's one of those that... You know, you have those dreams, and you think, oh, was it a dream or was it not? But I'm pretty sure it wasn't a dream. It was basically, I was about seven... And I just remember being in my parents' house, sat at the dining room table, and my dad had left his laptop out for me just to have, I think I was playing like solitaire or something. And I sat there and um, I, I literally just wanted to write something, I, like not in a cheesy kind of, I'm going to be a writer way, but I was just like, oh, Microsoft Word, 90, whatever it was. Um, and just really, really loved the idea of writing because I've, I've read a lot anyway um, and started just tapping away the keys and got half a page about some dwarf in some cave and i really wanted to write i remember really wanted to write something talking-esque um and obviously not having the maturity or the ability or the the, the time for it and i kind of wrote that and then put it down I was like this is hard writing is hard yeah um and then didn't touch it again until uh i did well i did english drama and psychology at college but in English, they had a creative writing unit and we had to sort of play around. And I wrote a little bit of um, a couple of sci-fi horror shorts and erotica just because I wanted to push the boundaries of college English. Yeah. Uh, 
and it seems to go down kind of well. Um, obviously, looking back, it's one of those that is far too overly descriptive. It's lacking real narrative, but it was one of those where I was happy with it at the time. Yeah, uh, and it seemed to do well. And then it was probably about really how I properly started writing was not February gone to so February 2015, um, and I'd been a proofreader for two years at that point, and just kind of I was doing a lot of home work on the computer by myself it was just one of those things where i was constantly proofreading other people's work which was it was mainly non-fiction i didn't really do any fiction and stuff um and i just kind of wanted to do something a bit more for me mm. i kind of figured well i get you know a spare hour or so here and there in the day or between projects as it comes in but i'd give it a go i'd see i'd see what i wrote what i could write so i started writing um a, i thought it was going to be a novel in hindsight, it really wasn't. Uh, basically about a, a guy who moves into a place for a fresh start from his life, and there's a room in there that swallows sound. Um, spoiler alert for a project coming out. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, but it was basically really just that and how he goes on his life, and then eventually it was going to be a thing where he gets locked in for days and no one can hear him. It was going to be quite dark. And then halfway through writing that, I just got the inspiration for Sins of Smoke, which at the time had a very creative title of Sunset Vampire. <laughs> um, and yeah, hammered out the first draft of that. And that was the first substantial thing I wrote. And that ended up at about 15,000 words. And that is like, people should read Sins of Smoke because it's really mature. Like it reads, I don't know if this is just because you were proofreading before or something, but it, it reads like, you know, not not like an early work. It reads like a, a a much more mature writer. I guess like someone I I imagine it's coming from like someone like Stephen King or someone like that. It, it is really good. Oh, so, thank you. <laughs> I remember reading that like going, wait, how old is Dan? Because this was kind of my introduction to you guys, to be honest. So yeah. Just, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I finished the first draft of that, and then I kind of I was reading up a lot at that point. Um, things like Stephen King's on writing. Mm. Um, just reading as much as I could to try and get inspiration to try and see what it actually took to be a writer because I was kind of admitted at that point that I was naive to the craft. Um, and then, yeah, long story short, about just before October, I finished the seventh draft, um, decided to see what this self-publishing lark was all about, stuck it on Amazon and managed to get it to number one of the short story horror charts for Amazon Kindle over Halloween, which was very, very exciting. Um, and yeah, that was my kind of segue into you guys, into Hawk and Cleaver. I think, um, like, so when you when you first started playing with writing when you were a lot younger, um, this, this resonates with my experience, actually. Like, someone gives you good feedback, like, in the sense of a teacher. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Someone or someone says, yeah, this is actually, this is actually pretty good. Um, and I think that germinates and then like takes root even. And then like, as you get older, you, you're all, you've always got that thing in your mind of, you want to write at some point so yeah what if what if i just give it that little bit extra yeah Yeah. and then that's what it was and it was now at the point where it is all i want to do in in most of my spare time i've got i will sort of come up with short stories work on a clockwork rose which is an upcoming novel that i'll have out by the end of this year i will um and yeah that was kind of my journey into into writing yeah i think um Mine was very similar. I remember in English when I was really, really young, like primary school, I remember writing a poem. It was about a hedgehog or something. And I think I'd used a metaphor and it was the first time I'd really understood what a metaphor was. And the teacher was <laughs> the teacher like said, Oh, this is this is quite good. And then I think just that like one little uh bit of praise was enough to just plant that seed that was gonna <laughs> yeah. take root and then flower like the older I got, sort of thing. Um yeah. Do you remember that teacher's name? Miss, you... uh, no, uh, no, I don't. I remember <laughs> one of the teachers who I thought it was, it wasn't, called Mrs. Barker, who called me a mong <laughs> in, in a class once. Nice. Um, which is, Hopefully yeah. she won't listen to this. Yeah. Which I, <laughs> I don't think she will. No. Maybe, you never know. Um, but yeah, and then I think I grew up and then I went, I started playing music and then started getting to like, music videos and then from music videos started getting to like film and storytelling and and writing like scripts and stuff like that and then uh did some like stand-up comedy stuff which was fun it learned how to write jokes which is always (laughs) fun and then i think at one point i just thought i'll just write a really really short story just myself just to see how it is and i wrote uh the people live in my beard it's like 250 words but i remember like passing that over to cat and some people and they were like oh yeah this is this is actually really good and um i don't know just that's how it starts isn't it, it just just takes just... a couple of people to say yeah yeah and give you that little sort of nudge forward yeah and then the rest is just a uh, a nightmare trying to drive yourself <laughs> yeah yeah well, how would you if someone said to you okay i want to start writing and publishing um not really re- i've written some stuff before but i've not really done that much what would you advise them to do to write more yeah uh, i think um <clears throat> the 
one of the main things that kept me writing, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> um, one of the main things that, especially in those first few months, kept me writing was I was reading a book that I was absolutely loving. Um, and it's one of the things I find the minute I stop or I slow down with my reading, I find that my writing slows as well. Yeah. Or I become, I feel less in sync with it. So uh, for anyone who wants to kind of give it a go, I'd say it's one of those things where you just have to put in the time. You have to find an hour, half an hour a day in which you can say after dinner, half seven till half or till eight is mine. Sit down and then just start there. I think because the biggest thing I found was building up those targets. I mean, I started doing probably about 200 words a day. Yeah. And that would be a good day. I'd be happy with that. Um, and obviously now I'm at the point where I can squeeze in over a thousand in an hour on my lunch break. And that, that doesn't feel like a problem to me, but that started with tiny increments. So if you can have an idea and you say, chip away at it, chip away at it, chip away at it each day, increase yeah. that target and it just becomes more rhythmic. It just becomes habitual. It's, it's um, it's, it's like a, so in June, 2014, I was writing my first book, which is a book of short stories, really short book. Uh, but I, I made a note of how many words I'd written that month. That entire month, I'd written 3,351 words. Wow. And I, and I tweeted it because I was really proud of it. Yeah. The, the June after that, I'd written uh, like, probably like 45,000 words or something. So, and it, it, <laughs> but it's like, it's it took a year to get to that point. And um, it's incremental. I, I, like, I like the idea of, you know, like an elastic band, like it's small at first, but you stretch it and it's never going to go quite back to, the shape it was before so yeah. you sort of constantly sort of stretching this elastic band and becoming more and more comfortable with it with the bigger word counts yeah, that's a good way to look at it, it is it is 100 percent like that i mean looking back at it now 200 words i could doesn't feel like half as much as it used to it used to feel like such a big thing to have that half an hour to say right 200 words and i think you know as you go by you start almost when you start off, you care about every word. Yeah, you do. Every sentence. That, yeah. That's it. And that's the part that slows you down. And now, because I understand first drafts are crap, Ernest Hemingway, not crap, but I think we can swear. We, are we are we gonna put that line out? We're right with swearing on this. We swear on the other stories podcast. Like, yeah. All the time. I mean, yeah. I'm happy to swear, it's natural. Okay. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, yeah, your first draft of it well, the first draft of anything is shit. And that's something that once you learn that, oh, I know. <laughs> Sorry, mum. Once you've uh, learned that and taken that on board, you do just kind of throw yourself at the keys. And you just do just say, this is my idea. Tap, tap, tap. And yeah. you can kind of come back and shape it later. Also, I think when, you, when you're when first starting out and you're first starting to write these, and you, you're concentrating on the words and the sentences, you're basically um, learning how to construct write like prose you know like just the basic construction elements yeah and that becomes second nature eventually yeah um you sort of you pick up the rhythm of it you you get like a you just start playing music i guess like when you first practicing your scales you do it really slowly you want to get each note just right and then when you get uh after you've been playing for two or three years the notes become second nature you know your fingers go there almost automatically um so you can you play a lot faster yeah no, absolutely. That's definitely how it is now. I mean, like I said, I can literally just go to the keyboard, just start typing and it flows. I don't think, I don't stop and think, oh, how, you know, how is this first part 
going to affect the rest of it because it's already there. Yeah. It's already, this is the rhythm, boom, boom, boom. How do you feel about it? So if it was the way I started writing and, and put more effort into it, I um I had like an online writers group and then I used to write really short 500 word stories and then just get critique, critiqued on that. But um, would you suggest people to do that or would you do you think people should be publishing online, like self-publishing straight away and getting feedback in the public? I think it depends on what path you're choosing to take because, I mean, obviously it's fantastic uh, self-publishing and putting your stuff out there and like you say, getting that criticism. But if you're, I think if you're looking to do it in the long run and your early work isn't as great as you thought, it can be quite detrimental to your long-term goals. And mm. um, because obviously people will look at your earlier stuff, see if it's not quite there, if it's not hitting reviews, and that will reflect even if you put in the work and your new book is fantastic. Um, it will reflect on that. But I think things like online communities, and I mean, I've I've never been part of a writing community online, but I go to a local one um, here, and they're just fantastic for keeping your stamina, your motivation up, and like you say, those little bits of feedback are, are priceless. To be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, which way would you would you go? Would you recommend self-publishing? Uh, when I when I think about the Vanguard comic, and I think about how he's he basically did self-publish his work, so it's out there in the public right from the start, and he improved he's improved very 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 quickly. Um, I kind of feel like having it out in the public will put will get you into shape quicker. You know what I mean? Because you. Yeah. But but then again, the same with, I think that might be too much for some people. Like it's quite nerve wracking when you put your work online for the first time, anyway. Yeah. Um, it might break some people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, if they publish something and they just get like like a load of one star reviews or something. I yeah. Think that, I think that might put some people off for life. So maybe, maybe not. Maybe, I I'd recommend people write short stories in a writers group, either physical or digital. Mm-hmm. And um, and you just sort of you know you start off with that small elastic band and just like grow your comfort zone a little bit uh, over time a little bit more until you're yeah. ready to to publish. Yeah, I don't think it matters if it's digital or in in person. I think as long as the vibe of community is there and as long as you feel like there are people around that get what you're going through, it does just make it a lot easier. Because mm. I mean, I have met people online that I talk to. I mean, you guys pretty much started online for me. And it's one of those things that just knowing that someone is trying what you're trying, going through the same sort of struggles, or if they're a bit further on, they can give you advice. If they're a bit behind, you can feel like you're mentoring. And it's, yeah, it's just, um, it's good to have that support around you. And I guess we're taking that to the next step when we start our projects. Yes. <laughs> we keep going, we, like, talking about it. Right. I want a really cool kind of like project raiser. In my uh, in my weekly newsletter, I call it Project Dan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, that's fine for your newsletter. <laughs> I mean, I, if I call it Project Dan, then I feel like that's really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. It's um, just self confidence, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of them we could we could call them one. So the horror, yeah, the horror side could be Project Dan. Yeah. The sci fi side. I've just called them Project Horror and Project Sci-Fi. Yeah, I kind of still want something cooler, but we can work on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I guess we, we should tell people what we're doing. 
I don't even think Skip or any of the Hawk and Cleaver guys know exactly what, what we're doing. Have we mentioned it? I think I... Briefly. I think Ben reads my newsletters, so he would have uh, seen Project Dan come up. And he, he might have had an inkling of what that was. Yeah. But, so what are we doing again? <laughs> you, okay. you had like a really good pitch for it, so... Oh, that's pressure now. Um, okay, so the idea is that we're going to write a series of books together alongside each other um basically each taking the lead on a genre that we're a bit more uh tailored not tailored towards but sort of mm. we lend our art a bit stronger to yeah um and i think the idea is we're gonna plan the books i'm gonna plan your sci-fi book yeah you're gonna plan my horror book yeah and we're gonna get the rhythm together so that when we pass it back over and i start writing the horror and you start writing the sci-fi it's almost like a fresh story and it means that it allows you to be a bit more imaginative with it and take that journey yeah so into a guided unknown so we're starting out with like i think i think i know what idea i'm settling on because i just keep going back to it yeah um yeah. and i don't know if you i think you might have yours or are you i'm kind of torn between a couple um okay. but i mean we'll discuss that uh shortly and then and then <laughs> and then we're gonna pitch each of these ideas like mm-hmm. what we've got so far what our ideas are for what the series could be and by the way these are commercial works right that's what yes, we're aiming yeah, for yeah these okay. are these are based on sort of genres and categories that we've already seen hitting the top of the charts things that are very very commercial very popular right now yeah it's a, it's a cool little experiment we're doing um, yeah absolutely and then so we then, and then we hand over the project for a week i think is that right yeah a week so we can Where... re- hit and so yeah, so um, well, are we gonna? So we're gonna outline each other. I'm gonna yeah. outline your story, and you're gonna outline my story. Yeah, I'm gonna outline yours based on the pitch that you give me. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. That means I need to really try and make as good a pitch as possible. Yeah. So if you want it to be along the idea that you're thinking in your head, which I mean, yeah. there's nothing to say that it can't weave down those lines in the later drafts. But yeah. if that's kind of what you're going for, then obviously pitch it to me. Yeah. As you see it, and then I will try and take that trail in my in my planning okay and then we hand them back over and then we both we write the first drafts of our stories together so i think 1200 words is that the the average yeah we put that down as an average per day i imagine we'll probably do more than that i i can see myself getting quite excited over it yeah me too (laughs) yeah um you're you're you get more words in a day than me i think what's your good day what's your personal best in a day do we count my day off i had yeah yeah like any day but yeah my personal is six and a half thousand yeah i have no idea that i think my personal is like three thousand three hundred or something like that so yeah well I think my average on a good week is probably just under two thousand yeah per day yeah two thousand i think it's about it's about right for me as well um yeah. so and then we're going to write these first drafts i think they're going to be about fifty thousand words is that right i think around that i think um okay. In the pitching ideas, it might vary might depending on what the story demands. But yeah, yeah. and um, and then we're going to hand them back over to each other to edit each other's work. Is that is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, we'll... sort of not rewrite, but like uh, what's the smooth word? out, smooth out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. basically, you're looking Smoothing. for any <laughs> any any plot holes, any bugs, anything that might be a little bit tricky, um, and just kind of put our own little topping on top of the cake yeah um 
and then I think back over for a final check between each other. Are we doing three swaps or? Uh, so we hand out to you for the beats, the outlines, and we hand back over first drafts, and then hand back over. Are we changing? Are we doing line edits at that point? Are we like rewriting prose and stuff? I think or, so. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think um, if it needs it, if it's sort of yeah. glaringly obvious, yeah. And we'll be able to spot that with each other's work, I think, quite easily. Um, I, I think you're probably going to delete loads of my stuff and just rewrite it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then we hand back over for, I guess at that point, proofing. And, yeah. And then we'll probably get an external editor in at that point. Yep. And then publish. And these are going to be, I think the idea is these are going to be book ones of potential series, right? Yes. Yeah, that's, I think it is a series that we're looking at doing. Yeah. And then... I mean, it might be that um, depending on the story idea that one, you know, might want four or five books, one might want three, one might want... So I don't know where it's going to go, like, yeah. <laughs> to see where, where the story takes us. I've got to tell you, I'm really excited about this project. Like... Yeah. I think I was going to... Because right in the third hipster book, and I was like doing the, I had to change the ending. And I was like doing the, like the the first pass. So like changing, like rewriting a lot of it. And I was just getting like really unsure about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think doing it the way we're going to be doing it now is this time is, I'm really excited about the idea of bouncing ideas back and forth. And yeah, I think that's just going to like lubricate the entire process. Absolutely. I think it'll, because you'll have the excitement of writing the first draft, which is obviously exciting anyway. I mean, edits can get really tiresome, but then when you swap over, you're then excited about reading what the other person has created yeah. and try and get through that. And with that, I feel like, because you'll be reading it quite, well, pre- presumably quite quickly, you'll notice things more. Yeah, You'll get the rhythm, you'll get the pace, you'll kind of go, this doesn't quite work. And I think I think me and you can be quite honest with each other and quite yeah. constructively critical critical yeah um and then when you pass it back you'll be like oh what's he done with that so it kind of just keeps that intrigue that entertainment as well and we're, we're in pretty much i mean it, my only concern that that a potential hiccup is that when we're doing the first drafts so you've done the the outline you pass it to me i'm doing the first draft and i get through it and i think oh that that story thing it doesn't quite work or like it's going to ruin I I need to change something a certain way, and it's going to ruin the the outline for later on in the story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, are we going to have to Skype it? You know, get in touch with each other and basically redo the outline, or how do you see that? Side do you mean for the next books? For the next books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think once. I think it'll be worth once after after the second draft, or even after the first draft, to be honest, if. Um, it has taken a slightly different direction. Uh, it's why, it, yeah, we'll we'll be talking regularly through the whole thing. So yeah. at we, the end we, of each draft, we talk think... each other. We talk to each other by Slack, but we talk to each other more often than I talk to my family. <laughs> yeah, pretty much the same. To be honest, I've not spoken to my mom in about a week, and she's just got back off holiday. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it'll be worth it anyway to have a, a proper chat after each draft, just so we can kind of talk about any concerns. See. Because if there is something that you've gone, actually, this took a different direction, that doesn't necessarily obviously mean it's a bad thing, does it? We can That's something we can address. We can maybe use to make the next books even better, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's anything 
anything we can't work through. Yeah, yeah. I, I um. Oh man, I'm so excited. I um. I don't want to spoil <laughs> my story ideas, but I would just say I was watching the playthrough of one of the influencers. I think I know which one you mean. Not the space one. The, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. and the first scene, like the first couple of scenes, are pretty much exactly what I had in mind for how my story was going to start. Yeah, it's quite weird, but um, I so, don't, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to show you. I don't know. Yeah, and it is a fantastic resource. A good, it, it's a good um, point of influence. Yeah, definitely. It's very exciting. It's one of my one of my favorite uh, tales, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> Try not to give too much away. I know, I was going to say, I've got for um, my side, I've got an idea for a first scene, which is, it's not a rip-off, it's kind of lifted, directly influenced from the opening chapter of uh, Stephen King's Under the Dome. Okay. Which is, for any for anyone who's not read Under the Dome, it's fantastic, but it's... Uh, I've seen it's, the TV show. Yeah, I've not watched that yet. Apparently it doesn't live up to the hype. Um, I don't uh It was okay. I mean, I, I, I stopped watching, but... Fair enough. Yeah. But it's, yeah, the opening scene is about just a woodchuck running around happily, just doing its thing, sees a bit of food, goes up and eats it, and then suddenly part of this glass dome just slices it in half as it falls over this town in Maine. Um, and it's that, obviously not going to be that. That, that happens in a TV show, but it's a cow. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a woodchuck in the, uh, in the book. Um, and yeah, it's kind of an idea that I've got takes that as a bit of an influence, but in a different way for, for one of the story ideas that I've got. I think your idea is outside the dome. It's out. <laughs> it's over the dome. Over the dome. Yeah. 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 It's one that's basically takes that concept and the dome is a, a uh, snow shaker. <laughs> I thought you were being, being serious for a second then. I was like, no. oh, that's, <laughs> could, it's an interesting idea, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You've given my idea away. Thanks Luke. Thanks. Uh... <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's I'm very, very excited to, to talk more about some of the ideas and see where they go. Yeah. Um, it'd be cool as well. It'd be interesting to see how well the books do. I mean, it, it like anything, it's a, it's a part, like you're basically a lottery ticket. We're, we're spending the next couple of months writing, doing all <laughs> those work just to buy a lottery ticket. But much. it'd be interesting to see if one, which one does better and like why. And we, you can maybe like, pick apart why one's doing better than the other and and um and it, also i want to get some people on the show at some point like chris fox and that michael Laron guy to talk about writing to market oh, yeah. and and get their perspectives on it because it's a really interesting topic um and it's something i want to do this is who we this is this project is for right yeah absolutely i mean there are a lot of different takes you see um some guys seem to find the idea of writing directly for the market almost like selling out sort mm. of a really negative if you do it you're not really being passionate you're not putting yourself in your art um but i think if you're if you're like us and you're looking to kind of make a bit more of something that you enjoy doing anyway and yeah. to be honest for the genres that we're looking at doing and the ideas we've got they seem to be stuff that we'd enjoy yeah. um so i think it kind of works out well in that way for us but it'll be interesting yeah it'll be interesting to talk to some people and see what their take on it is so i'm just going to tell people what the, I'm just going to say what the game, the game's influence on my <laughs> Go for it. Because I think it's really cool. Uh, Last of Us meets Dead Space. And I think, I don't know, I just feel like that's that's a cool setting. Oh, also with a bit of the thing in it. Yeah. I think the base of The Last of Us, anyway, is just 
I mean, that game blew me away. It's still my favorite game of all time. I feel a little bit bad about watching the playthrough because I kind of want to play it myself at some point. Yeah. But... Buy a PS3 and buy The Last of Us for about 40 quid from GameStation. <laughs> yeah, I might do actually. I haven't got a TV yet. I need and then to... sell it back. Yeah. When I move into my own place, I just tell people I'm, I'm living, me and my fiance are living with my fiance's parents at the minute. Um, <laughs> I'm not like a teenager living in my mum's room. Represent. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we've just moved. That's why we've moved yeah. from London to Manchester. I feel like I've got to explain this. <laughs> you don't have to justify it. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we, like we can come on. We we could do more episodes about this in the future and let people know how it's going on. And um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so we've been talking right. for like fifty minutes now. That's uh, yeah, gone by pretty quick. That's good. And I should shoot off soon because my my son will be going to bed, and I would like to say good night. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, okay. So let's wrap up. If you want to be yeah. a writer, start writing and get a writer's group. We're going to be doing this cool little project where we write to market, writing two books at the same time. And then... Uh, check out Vanguard. Check out Vanguard comic and Pokemon Go, although you probably have. Um, <laughs> check out The Other Stories, which is our podcast that's doing... Remarkably incred- well. Incredibly well. Um, like every week or every week it just jumps up like in download numbers. Um, I don't think it's officially registered with me yet, to be honest. Because you kind of shout numbers, and then I'm just like, "Oh, that's nice," and I'll walk away. But of like, what we are now, over twenty thousand yeah, yeah. in in just over three months. Yeah. So, like, but it's. I think the the more, more interesting thing is how how the ex- exponential the growth is. So mm. it's just it's turning into a bit of a curve, and like it just keeps t- like doubling. I don't know how how long that's going to happen for because. How is that happening? I don't even know how where the downloads are coming from. Or word of mouth, I presume. I mean, and we're how getting, awesome the stories are. <laughs> and, we're get, and we're getting fan mail and stuff, which is cool. Yeah, um, absolutely. I sent out the competition winners' books today. By oh, the way, that's oh, exciting. I can't wait for him to get it. Yeah, me too. But yeah, check out the other stories because I'm, and I think Dan is really proud of it. Like, I think it was a really cool show. It's a short. 100%. It's a horror, sci-fi, thriller. WTF story short story delivered to your podcast feed every Monday morning um, yeah okay uh, other than that go check out hawkandcleaver.com and find me on twitter at Luke of Condor with a K and Dan is Wilcox author at Wilcox author a bit less creative <laughs> <laughs> cool alright I'll talk to you soon awesome talk to you soon mate bye we hope you enjoyed this episode of the story studio podcast Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories. Oh, and did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip.